Hello again, everybody. It is time for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 49 tonight. I am Michael Citro from the Mainland.com, managing editor, and uh, joining me, Daniel McGann, uh, one of our columnists. Daniel, how you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing great. You know, I'm, I'm excited for a, a, a tough match this weekend. Wow. I mean, Sporting KC is going to be a, a, a fun one to watch. Unfortunately, we're not here in Orlando, but it's going to be a, it's going to be good a good weekend. That was one of the. Uh, the better matches for Orlando City last year was when uh, Sporting Kansas City came to town, and it was a 3-1 win for Orlando City, as I recall, and uh, uh, Adrian Venter had a good game, and, um, you know, it's, uh, but before we go on and talk about Sporting Kansas City, which is uh, a team we, we know pretty well, considering the fact that we've only played them once in MLS, um, we're going to look back at last weekend and see what happened with that Orlando City-New York Red Bulls match. It ended up in a 1-1 draw. Uh, an early goal for Red Bulls. Um, basically, what happened was it looked like some some folks in the back were not quite in position where they needed to be, and then Seb Hines uh, was a little late responding to Bradley Wright Phillips, and Question uh, puts the ball in behind him, and pretty easy finish for for BWP, and it makes it one uh, nil. Uh, pretty good high pressure from New York for the first uh, probably third of the match maybe quarter to a third of the match and then Orlando City kind of settled down and got into the flow of the match and, and gave as good as they got and maybe in in some instances in the second half had some stretches where they they were the better side I'd say and uh, eventually getting a goal from Kevin Molino his uh, third goal in four games it was nice to see him scoring uh, actually tied Kyle Laren for the team lead in goals and um, you know uh, some good chances down the stretch but then a, an untimely red card by Chris Nigita and uh, an Orlando City not able to uh, to get the winner and uh, and goes uh, winless yet again but stays undefeated at home. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and and uh, you know the, the the thing is these were games last year, Daniel, that uh, were losses, and then this year these these. You know these tight back and forth games are ended up being draws, and and it doesn't feel great. But if you think back to where this team was a year ago, you go, hmm, well, there is some improvement here, and uh, you know I think this was a, an opportunity or or at least a performance that Orlando City can build on a little bit. Yeah, but I feel like we've been saying that for the past few weeks now. I mean, uh, it, it seems like Orlando either gets it. I mean, it's getting a league, and then, then they're coming back, and they're just ending up in a draw because of bad decisions or, or lackluster performances in the second half or uh, really a lot of different reasons, but a lot of it lending on to just, you know, horrible uh, uh, repping as well. So um, there's got to be a point where we say we have to stop drawing and we have to start earning all three points and we have to start winning. And if we're not able to do that at home necessarily, um, a couple weeks from now, we, we may be talking about it being an upside right now, but a couple weeks from now we could look back and say uh, we're basically putting ourselves out of it with all these draws. So uh, was the performance uh, better? Uh, I think so. I think there are a lot of things that we still need to work on. Playing out of, of pressure is, is an extreme issue right now. I mean, we've, we've, it looks like teams have kind of found us to a fault in that aspect because we want to play the ball out of the back and uh, we haven't been able to do it successfully uh, uh, as well as we would want to at least. We've made some adjustments. We looked better uh, against the Red Bulls this time around, um, but we still weren't able to get the W. So, I mean, is it concerning right now that we're not able to pull three points out? Concerning? It depends on, I mean, I think these were 
especially the Red Bulls. I think they're a very good team, and they were in in very fine form coming into this match. And uh, you know, it was the the return of Kaká, but maybe it's not quite uh, up to speed yet. I, I think this is a, the, here's why I think it's an opportunity that they can build on is because they finally had, you know, with the exception of Pedro Ribeiro and Luke Bowden, everybody was available. Yeah. We haven't seen a team this healthy since Orlando City's been in MLS. So this is an opportunity for the team to, if they can stay healthy and build on this performance and and, and, and grow a little bit, I think that, you know, the results will come if they keep playing like this. And it really did feel like they were going to win the game and get that get that go-ahead goal at some point until that red card happened. It just, they you know, they had a couple of near misses and uh, just weren't quite able to, to put that final ball in. But, uh, you know, I, I think one of the reasons for that, I don't think Kyle Laren was particularly sharp that night. Um, but, you know, I think it's a promising performance. I thought that Nocherino had his best game since joining Orlando City. I mean, some of these European guys come over, very few of them step right in and do well right away. Sometimes it takes, it can take a full year for someone to integrate into the MLS, but it looked like Notorino played better. He didn't have a great passing rate, but he did do a really nice job of, of helping mind the gaps in the back. And yeah. he did, uh, he protected Breck Shea, who Breck looked like he was very out of his element against Lloyd Sam in the first meeting and looked timid about going out and challenging him and, uh, you know, this was an opportunity for him to stay tucked in, and Nocherino came out and took the outside away. And Lloyd Sam was pretty quiet, I thought. Yeah, uh, I mean, Breck seemed to be lost upfield a few times, trying to get a little bit too far forward. But like you said, with Nocherino, I thought even though his passing accuracy has been lackluster really since joining Orlando, I don't know if it's his touch or he was just not used to it yet, or or where his players are going to be. But mm-hmm. uh, his cover in this game was was really effective. Uh, whenever our outside backs were getting up, and, and he was able to to close down those spaces, uh, and it and really left uh, a lot to be desired, uh, not from Notorino perspective, but from Breck's perspective in this game, uh, and and also what you said too with Kyle Laren, but uh, I thought also Hagita had a had a fantastic game outside of that uh, horrendous. <laughs> Two-footed yeah. challenge just after yeah. another challenge in the. Other than that, Mrs. <laughs> other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Well, he's a four-point-five million <laughs> uh, dollar player, right? That's the that's the word yeah. on the street. Euros, right now. euros, four-point-five million euros. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know what that translates into right now, but um, <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought Agita played pretty well until the red card. Uh, I thought Dar- I thought Darwin Saren had a really good game. Oh yeah. And uh, I debated this with Austin because Austin did grades uh, at the match on Friday, and I I said I thought Darwin Saren was man of the match for me, and he picked um, Molino. Well, and you know not a bad pick, <laughs> you know. And I I told him that I said you know I'm not knocking your pick. I just I think that you know Molino probably could have done a little more uh, earlier in the game when he was trying to thread the ball through and not getting it there and. Um, he did put Laren you know, he, on a clear chance, though. I mean, he did, he did, and he and he ended up with a good passing rate. He didn't. I don't. I think there was a point in the first half where his passing rate must have been fairly low because he was trying to, you know, put the perfect ball in, and it was just getting cut out yeah. every time. And uh, but I, I thought that, um, uh, you know, for me, most of the team was pretty good. Yeah. I didn't think that uh, I didn't think that Seb Hines was particularly great, and I didn't think Laren was good at all. In fact, for me, Laren was the poorest man on the pitch. And, and you know, was it from lack of trying? But you know, some nights you have it, some nights you don't. And he had, he had a couple of really good opportunities. He had an early chip that he could have, he could have put the team up early, and, and he chipped it well over top of the net. I mean, wasn't even close. Yeah. And and 
you know, maybe some of that's Luis Robles. You know, you try to be a little bit too perfect because, you know, you know you've got a good sh- shot stopper back there. And, uh, you know, again, back to your point about Nocherino, I think certainly his, you know, he's not known as a poor passer. So I think part of it is, you know, he's expecting guys to be in places they're not. And some of it is the surface. I'm sure he's not used to that. I mean, because they don't even train on that. They train on grass all week. Yeah. And then they go out and play on the artificial surface. So it's, uh, and I'm not trying to make excuses for him. I know people hate him, um, and they want to call this a failed experiment because I think you, you, whenever you can, when you know, judge a guy on nine games or less, I think you have to. You know? Yeah, but we have to remember uh, also, though, I mean, we've seen a lot of players come into MLS uh, from other leagues around the world and, and and not really make their mark until either the latter half of the season or even their second uh, their second runaround. I mean, right. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to hold Nocherino to, to, to a, and say that he's not talented. We know he's talented, right? He's got yeah, talent. Sure. Nobody's playing on the Italian national team as many times as he has that's not talented. Uh, but uh, I'm interested to see, if, if is, is, it, is it necessarily travel? Is it necessarily just coming over to a, a different league? Is it playing on the surfaces? All these things probably coalescing together is, is causing this. But it looks like he's turning the corner now, right? It looks like he's getting more comfortable uh, and now it's just going to be communication and learning the players he's he's around. Uh, and with Aguita and Saren playing as well as they have, if they keep those three in the midfield, uh, there's a lot of cover uh, for, for the rest of the players getting forward. And that's going to be interesting with the health and the depth that we have now with, with Venter and Molino and Kaká and Carlos Rivas and uh, Kyle Lair. And I mean, you're talking a lot of different players that are going to be able to get in the attack. And you spoke to that, that, uh, that bench that I was a little upset that we didn't use. Uh, and we didn't use it until the 88th minute after a red card. Uh, were you surprised that, that 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 we didn't use someone off the bench before then? Uh, I was a little surprised that Laren wasn't subbed off. Um, but I wasn't really surprised other than that because I, and I had this same discussion with Brent, who was there, um, you know, with covering the the match as well. He did the five takeaways. But Brent and I were sitting there talking about exactly that topic. It's like, who would you take off right now? Because right now they're playing really well. Yeah. They're getting chances. You know, guys are getting forward in the attack. They're getting shots. Um, you know, who would you take off? Who is not pulling their weight right now? And there really wasn't a lot to choose from. And I said, you know, you know, maybe you would take off Laren and put in Batista. Maybe you would maybe sacrifice, a, a, you know, a, a central midfielder for, you know, to bring on Venter. Because, you know, the, they, they seem to be on the front foot. But that can always backfire on you, too, when you do something like that. Yeah. Um, I just think Venter's a good, you know, a, a hard enough worker that he would he would track back and that you wouldn't really lose that. Yeah. Um, and and there were guys that were he was ready to bring in guys to go for it, and they were actually, you know, taking off the the, the you know the penny and getting ready to check into the game. Yeah. And and then you get the red card, so it kind of changed everything. And then he, he you know what do you do then? You just bring on Carrasco and you try to you know, play some more direct balls over the top and see if you can steal the extra points. But uh, they were not able to do that. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people see Carrasco come in and say that he's playing for the tie. But in all honesty, Carrasco is the best player on the team at playing the long ball uh, from his defensive third. So, you know, he's got a, he's got a very good, accurate outlet pass. And, and I think that it's not a concession uh, he's not conceding two points by bringing him on. It's like everybody's like, well, bring on Rivas, bring on, you know, yeah, but I, Batista and Winter and, and go for it. And I'm like, well, 
that's all in well and good, but the guys you had up front were playing pretty well, except for Laren. And I would have taken Laren off, but then, you know, if that doesn't work, then people scream, oh, why'd you take off your best goal scorer, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's, it's it's what could what would you have done, what could you have done? There's a lot of different conversations there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just like you. I'm a big Venter fan coming off the bench if he's available, because his work rate is second to none. Uh, and yeah. he always seems to do something. You talk to Carrasco's long ball, right? That was Venter that got on the end of it. Uh, yep, earlier in the year, so uh, I'm, I, I would have been interested to see him come in, but uh, Kyle Laren is, I mean, he's proved himself enough, uh, even if he's having a bad game, really, it's just it's just one move and one shot for him to put something in the back of the net, so uh, not knocking Adrian at all uh, from that perspective, uh, because whenever a team is playing as well as they were, they did look like they were in control in that second half, and, and they were running the ball down the field a, a good bit, it's, it's hard to make that decision to take a guy that uh, has the ability to put the ball in the back of the net. Yep. So you already heard my man of the match was Darwin Saren. Uh, who was your man of the match for New York Red Bulls? Uh, for New York Red Bulls or against New York Red Bulls? For the for the New York Red Bulls match. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying. I would uh, I, I have to go with you know I have to go with Molino. I thought Darwin Saren had a great game, but Molino uh, at the beginning of the year it, it just seemed like he was a, a step off and his pass was a bit heavy uh, or a bit light or maybe he was making one too many. Uh, and now it seems like maybe he's he's not as hesitant as he was. He's still passing the ball a bit too much sometimes, and we saw that against yeah. the Red Bulls. Uh, but it looks a bit crisper, right? It looks like he's hitting his point uh, more often than he was. And also, when you're putting the ball in the back of the net uh, and you're in the right place at the right time, right? The, the, the last one uh, against the Red Bulls was definitely right place at the right time. Uh, it, it's something that, that can that can uh, definitely lead to more goals in the future, and I'm excited for Molino, and I just hope Laren gets back on the on the score sheet soon. Yeah, that was a good run too by uh, by Molino. It was a, it was reminiscent of the week before at New England when when Rivas started off in his own end and ended up uh, scoring the goal. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's funny too because Laren didn't get an assist for for setting up Rivas, you know, basically the direct cross at New England. <laughs> But he did get an assist for losing the ball in the box and having Molino, you know, cleaned it up uh, on a bad touch. So uh, I guess that all evened out. It's it's a pity the bad calls haven't evened out yet. Um, Speaking of which, we had a a penalty awarded and then taken away uh, on Friday night as uh, it was the AR was consulted and, and he called Hines offside. Now we were later told that that was an erroneous call and the penalty should have been given. by pro, but of course, you know, pro gonna pro. Stop. Uh, I mean, this, <laughs> this has got to stop. Like, I'm just, I, I feel like I'm just getting weighted down every week because it is now every week since the Philadelphia game that something has happened that pro has come on after and said, oh, that should not have happened. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's, is it ever going to literally stop, or is it going to I take think it will. a different I, I think, team to come in the league to take it from I, us? I think it's going to. I think it's going to either. It's either going to take more expansion teams coming in and and then letting them take the brunt of this crap, or they're going to they're going to decide we're going to make it up to Orlando and it's all going to take place in one game. It's going to be like a ten nothing. We're going to get nine penalties in one yeah, game. Yeah, nine. Yeah, and they're going to the other teams can get five guys sent. Kyle Laren can just um, be offside the entire game and it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all going to even out in one game. Oh, it's yeah. going to be amazing. Hopefully, if that happens, I hope it's against New York. I, I, I was actually about to say that. I, <laughs> I hope that is when it happens. Or I hope that's the last game of the year that actually propels us into the playoffs, if needed. I will take that. If we get into the playoffs at the end of the year because they say, well, we have, you know, Orlando, we've basically stolen, what, like 10 points away from you over the past couple weeks. 
the next the last few games of the season, we're going to give 10 points back to you. And that's going to propel you into the playoffs perfectly fine as long as it evens out right now i yeah. i don't feel like it's evening out for us it's not gonna even out. it's not i don't i don't see it even now there's just too much it's just too lopsided so another thing that happened speaking of uh you know great decisions <laughs> uh adrian heath ran a few feet out on the field to retrieve a second ball that the uh the ball boy had had thrown in and there were two balls on the pitch during a stoppage in play the ball was out of bounds getting ready for a throw in second ball came on the pitch and uh, Adrian Heath, you know, saw it, reacted to it, grabbed the ball, threw it back off, and, and immediately scampered off the field. But that is worth a one-game ban to MLS uh, disciplinary committee because there is a zero tolerance, Daniel. Zero tolerance on stepping onto the field unless you're medical or you're a player that's legally, you know, supposed to be on the pitch. So um, what MLS is basically saying is that a dangerous tackle that gets you a suspension for one game like we saw with uh, Kikuta Mane and uh, Chris Rolfe last week, you know, Chris wow. Rolfe could have could have Rolfe could have wrecked the guy's knee and ruined his career, but it's the exact same penalty for going out and getting the extra ball off the field. Well, a, a few things here, Michael. You know, pro's gonna pro, and MLS is gonna MLS in every facet. I mean, that's what they do. They 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 just everything's off the books with them. Nobody knows why they do certain things, but. Adrian was definitely more than just three or four feet on the field. He took like three or to four trot slash scampers onto the field to get in there. It looked like a good 10 to 15 feet for me. Uh, and, and everybody should know that you you shouldn't come onto the field to play like that, no matter uh, if it's the dying and waning moments of a game or not. Um, is it a one-game suspension? I don't know. Uh, should it be a fine? Probably. Uh, but MLS needs to... They're just trying to be clear and concise on this, right? Because we've seen suspensions handed out before this year for coming onto the field. I mean, did, no, Torino got one uh, on a goal score. Yeah, no, Torino got one. Uh, yeah, he took about three or four steps out and gave a big hug to uh, Molino during a stoppage. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a problem if you're going to find a guy for, you know, you know, find a guy for that, you know, and it shouldn't even be a big fine because come on, what is he doing that's wrong? He didn't come out to confront anybody. He's not being unsportsmanlike. It was it was a moment of passion, and this game is all about passion, and he shouldn't be punished. But you don't necessarily encourage it. If you don't want him to do that, you slap a $1,000 fine on him, and he goes, oh, man, well, I probably shouldn't do that again. But, you know, with the with the Olsen thing, you know, people say, well, he's dumb because, you know, Ben Olsen from D.C. United got the same penalty earlier in the year. Do you honestly think in the heat of the battle when you're managing and you got a, an important throw in coming and you're trying to think ahead what you're going you know what you're what you're going to do what chess pieces you're going to move do you really think he's thinking about Ben Olsen at that point I honestly don't think Adrian cares <laughs> one point or the other I mean he's going to make that decision he's a very passionate guy we all know that um, but MLS has to stick by their guns on this side. I, I, again, I'm not agreeing with MLS that it needs to be a one-game suspension. The my I'm agreeing with the fact that they've started the year off with this rule, uh, and they're not only holding coaches and managers accountable, but they're holding players accountable. Uh, and as long as you can have that type of consistency, that's all I want to see. And if we can get this consistency from pro, then maybe we won't have other issues as well. But at least MLS is being consistent in this facet. Not saying they're right, but they're being consistent. Yeah. All right. I just watched it just now. <laughs> just now I watched it. Again, I'm going to say 
at most, he took four steps onto the pitch. I mean, Adrian's only five, what, five, eight? <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's a little guy, and he took about four steps. Okay. It's, it's okay, I get where you want us to be consistent, but let's not be consistently stupid. It's, this is a stupid, stupid suspension. You Basically, you're saying, you know, you cannot be on the pitch to, to manage your team. I mean, that, that, is, that is a huge penalty for what the offense is. And, and like I said, you know, I, I, I did my open letter today to the MLS Disco and, and my really outlandish uh, example was, okay, let's say New York City FC is playing and somebody gets hurt and it comes, comes off and the, the medical staff is paying attention to this guy. And then, you know, Andrea Pirlo goes down. He collapses. He's, there he is. He's like five yards from Patrick Vera, who knows CPR. But if he goes out on the pitch to save the guy's life, he's going to get a one-game suspension. Got to be consistent, I, Michael. <laughs> I'm just, it's just a stupid thing to say you can never, ever do it. The zero tolerance thing is what gets me. You can tell there's no intent on Olsen or Heath's part to do anything unsportsmanlike, to, to, to be confrontational. They're actually being helpful and saying, let's keep this thing moving and not, you know, have to blow the whistle and stand around some more. It just is, it's ridiculous that they can't, you know, and obviously once they do it to Olsen, they got to do it to everybody, but they should have never done it to Olsen is my point. Yeah, and I mean, I do agree with you about the stupidity of the rule, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I, I only agree on the consistency. Once you start down that road, you have to kind of continue down it uh, and, and if you don't, then, you know, everyone's going to cry foul because you're not being consistent. So it's one way or the other. And I would always take the consistency, even if it is a, a stupid rule, because you can change that rule in the f- future. Uh, and I, I'm just looking for consistency at MLS and something, because we all know that there's not much uh, within MLS or the refereeing organization right now. And, and anywhere I can get it, I'm going to take it. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's move on before I blow a gasket <laughs> and um, talk a little bit about Orlando Pride getting back to 500 with a 2-0 victory over Seattle Reign. Um, you know, you had a, an early goal there by Sarah Hagen, set up by uh, a nice uh, cross from Alex Morgan uh, at the back post. Hope Solo was amazing for the Reign. Wow. She she probably she kept them in the game probably a lot longer than they should have been, and uh, and eventually Leanne Sanderson jumped on the rebound of a of a saved. Uh, Morgan shot that that Hope Solo got on a, a piece of, but couldn't control the rebound, and and Sanderson put it home and made it two nil. But it really never felt that the rain were in that game. Uh, they had one opportunity to to draw level when uh, when Laura Alloway let the ball get too far off her foot. She she had a heavy touch and it went uh, right to a rain player who chipped it long and and man, what a great uh, job by Ashlyn Harris to scramble back and and tap it off the bar. And it was uh, really the only time that Ashlyn Harris was called into action the whole game. It was by far the most complete uh, game you would see uh, from the rain, or I'm sorry, for the Pride so far. And and Kim Little, the rain's, uh, you know, do everything player, uh, was very quiet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I thought the Orlando just basically dominated the match. I was very surprised how Hope Solo was having such a great match. I thought she was going to save that rebounded chance by Sanderson. And it actually, I couldn't tell. But it looked like she may have got uh, a part of her glove on that because it slowed down when Sanderson shot it through that little opening after the the rebound. But uh, overall, uh, it looks like Orlando's going to be a force to be reckoned with in this league, especially at home. There was a little bit of dip in, in attendance, of course, 
from mm-hmm. the, from the the previous matches, and and hopefully we can we can you know rally around the wins uh, that we're seeing at home and bring a, a few more people in. But even with a little bit of uh, attendance, if we're still what was around eight eighty five hundred or something like that for the attendance, which is really strong. yeah, it was it was over eight thousand. In fact, it was more than the other two Mother's Day games combined. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, and I think Mother's Day was a, was a big part of that. I, again, I, I think I'm going to anticipate around at the end of the year, the average is going to be around 10 or 11,000, I think just because of that big opening day. Yeah. Um, so there's going to be some crowds that are smaller than that one, but there, there's going to be a few that are bigger than that one as well, I think. And, and I think Mother's Day hurt them. But again, it was interesting to see that they had twice the, you know, they had enough attendance that they. They had more people at the the at Camping World Stadium, I guess we're calling it now, than the other two NWSL games combined had. So, so that was a good sign, and and I think that this this community is embracing women's soccer. They're embracing this team, and and I think they're going to be fun to watch. And watch out the rest of NWSL because the it looks like the back four have gotten you know linked up and they know what each other is doing because I thought it was a really good game for Monica really good game for Steph Catley and, and Jose Belanger as well Steph Catley it just is on another planet I mean she's so so good in this league <laughs> it is it's surprising how uh, I mean she she gets up and down the pitch she she gets back on defense she puts great balls into the box and she doesn't she doesn't shy away from scoring goals either but uh, I'm surprised uh, about a player that we've talked uh, about a few times uh, already in Jasmine Spencer and uh, her sitting underneath Alex Morgan. I, I know there were a few times where her shots were look completely off the mark uh, mm-hmm. and they've been that way so far this season. But I think when she turns the corner with that speed and the, the type of energy and drive that she has, I mean, she looks like a, a combination of Adrian Venter on the men's side uh, with some Carlos Rivas in there with that speed. But, I mean, she doesn't stop. It's it's the entire match. She's running as fast as anyone else or faster than everyone else on the pitch. And I'm excited to see uh, also Sarah Hagen uh, getting in there as well, right? She looked uh, a bit rusty at some times, but uh, she looked like she understood where Alex Morgan was going to be. Uh, and that type of relationship can only, uh, only become better with time. And then, of course, Leanne Sanderson, who... Uh, her her passing and her ability to find open space uh, is really going to put uh, Alex Morgan in a lot of good positions moving forward. Yeah, she's really calm on the ball. Yeah. She reminds me she reminds me a lot the way she pulls the strings. She reminds me a lot of Kaká on the men's side. She just she'll be able to turn slowly, survey the field, play the perfect ball. Yeah. She does a really nice job with that. Plus, she's scoring goals and taking some heat off of Alex Morgan. And that was always going to be the key is if if you get people going like. You know, you get goals from Sanderson, you get goals from Hagen, you maybe get Spencer going and maybe get the occasional goal from the from the fullbacks. Uh, I think you're going to see Alex Morgan really shine because, you know, now you can't just take her out of the game and, and be OK. You have to now you have all these other threats and, you know, teams will still probably say, well, we'll live or die with with trying to make other people beat us. But. Um, you know, if that's ap- if that's happening, you know, there it, it's just human nature. You're going to be like, okay, I, I can't quite cheat as much as I was, yeah. and and that's when that's when Alex Morgan gets that one extra step and she kills you with it. So, uh, I think it was a great outing. Uh, it was nice to see that that it was a pretty decent attended game. It was a, it was a really nice day, and um, you know, the fact that it was Mother's Day probably kept some people away. But it was uh, it was a good good performance by Tom Sermani's crew. Yeah, do you think Tom is running these different uh, starting 11s that which we've seen for for all the matches now? Is he doing that on purpose because of the Olympics, trying to get as many people in 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 form and in game form playing with uh, a lot of different women on the pitch because we're going to have so many 
uh, different players missing during the Olympics. Do you think that's an idea of his? I it might play into it some. I know he's been saying that he wanted to get Cammy Levin and Tony Presley on the pitch, and he was able to get Cammy Levin some minutes. Uh, I think it's more that he still doesn't know what his best his best lineup is because let's face it. I mean, NWSL has like almost zero preseason. Yeah. And, you know, in a lot of that preseason, a lot of his star players weren't there. So you're playing these colleges and you're not really getting a full, you know, good view of what you've got because, I mean, you went out with they win the first one, eight, nothing. Yeah. Well, I think um, we can agree that Leanne Sanderson <laughs> needs to be in the starting 11. I mean, when she's in that, uh, on the field, she she calms everything down and allows for uh, Orlando to hold on to the ball. I've noticed when she's not on the pitch, and we saw it for the first couple of games where she wasn't starting, um, we seem not to hold possession as well because we weren't finding that open space and allowing our, our players that have a lot of speed to run onto the ball in that open space. And when she comes in, we start doing exactly that. Um, I don't know if it was because she came in later in the training uh, she wasn't uh, able to play those preseason matches that you were just talking to as much, but mm-hmm. um, she brings that calm ability onto the ball, and it, it would just seem like a different uh, team when she's on the field. Yeah, and I agree. I think that um, there was some talk from Sermani that she wasn't quite uh, up to fitness where she wanted to, where he wanted her to play 90 minutes, and, and so she wasn't starting those games. She was coming in the second half. Uh, uh, a player that really surprised me in a pleasant way was Sam Wittemann, the uh, – the first round pick yeah. for uh, the Pride. I thought she had a great, uh, you know, first start. That was her first NWSL start, and uh, she really created some problems for for Seattle Rain. Did a great job winning the ball back in the midfield, and and uh, it really looks like this is a, a a solid team that when they start really clicking and gelling together, are going to be a, a formidable formidable club in in NWSL. And, and what's you know because of the the season is so few games, they're already 20% of the way through the season. So um, it's good that they're starting to round into shape. Now, yeah, they're going to be missing some players for for uh, the, the Olympics, but so are a lot of the other teams. So uh, it, it is important to start getting the Tony Presleys and, and uh, you know, the Cami Levins out there and get them some, you know, some competitive minutes. Uh, but to do that, you know, you have to have – you know, certain game situations and the team's either going to have to be way ahead or way behind to start tinkering. Yeah. I mean, uh, there, <laughs> that's, that's the problem is we have so many good players, uh, on this roster, uh, so many international players on this roster that, uh, if it is a close match, I mean, it's hard to take off, uh, the type of players that you were talking to of Alice Morgan or Sarah Hagen, uh, or any of our defenders, really. I mean, surprisingly, our entire back line are, are international uh, stars and, and are showing that after this game. I mean, that back line really started to gel, and whenever you have that back line in front of Ashlyn Harris playing that well, it's going to be really hard, even for a good Seattle team, to start putting shots on goal. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's surprising how quick they gelled after that first match with Portland. It looks like there was a lot of indecision back there. Um, outside of Seth Catley getting forward, there wasn't a lot. There were some communication errors. We saw those. Uh, they weren't coming up as a as a defensive line when they should have. But uh, they started to gel really quickly, and I think that talks to uh, not only their ability but uh, the ability of those international players playing so many matches to communicate. Yeah. Well, it was a great outing for the Pride. Now two and two on the season. Um, uh, Orlando City B got a draw on the weekend, uh, so that was kind of cool. It was it was interesting because the 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 back line of uh, Orlando of Orlando City B consisted of 
Luke Bowden, Tyler Turner, Devron Garcia, you know, so three, you know, guys basically with MLS uh, potential there. And Earl Edwards Jr. was the keeper. So uh, OCB goes out. They they actually fell behind 2-0 and came back and, and drew 2-2. But they they had an opportunity to do much better than that because uh, they uh, they were up a man. Because they, for a change, the other team had the red card uh, over the weekend and not OCB. So uh, not able to take full advantage of that. But, um, you know, a point is, is pretty good considering what the kind of results that OCB has been getting this year. <laughs> well, I mean, you're so. forgetting about Connor Donovan? You're saying he doesn't have... <sighs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Condon started the game. Yeah. He started the game. He had played, played the first half. Yeah, uh, I certainly didn't mean to, to slight a former uh, podcast guest. <laughs> I mean, I uh, definitely think he has MLS <laughs> ability. I mean... Absolutely. Uh, especially coming back for injury, it's, it's good seeing him uh, getting some minutes uh, and starting the match there with OCB, and hopefully he's able to, to roll into form. And um, I mean, I don't see uh, you know it, him rolling into form after after such an injury like that last year uh, quickly. Let's say at that right, we know those injuries, especially yeah. the knees, are, are hard to come back from. But it's really exciting seeing him uh, getting some minutes with the OCB side. Yeah, and, and it's. You know, every every minute that he plays, and, and you know that knee gets stronger, and he gets more back to fitness. It's it's good to see, not only because you know you hate to see kids get hurt, but the other thing is, if he wasn't getting closer to coming back, I, I just don't think that that Aurelian Collin deal gets made. I, I think that that part of that deal was that look, we got Connor Donovan coming back soon, and he was ahead of Tommy Redding last year. Yeah, well, Tommy's, uh, so, Tommy's played really well this year, so. Yeah, and Tommy's played well this year, so here, here you got a guy who was ahead of him. So I think you're okay at, at center back if you get Connor Donovan healthy and, and back to fitness. So uh, that allowed you to to move Colin's salary and and clear an international slot, and uh, you know, so that we can bring in Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah, you you were uh, uh, it's good <laughs> moving Colin, uh, considering we know he's a penalty giving away machine. Uh, and that did uh, occur last week against the Red Bulls, but unfortunately it was called off. Uh, yeah, yeah, so. exactly. I, I almost called that. It would have been perfect. And then, uh, <laughs> and of course, he did get a yellow card, and he darn near got a second yellow card. He was kind of lucky not to get a I second. I believe so. that was a second yellow as well. But we won't talk to Pro any more than we've already talked to Pro. So uh, let's let's move on. We're going to, you know, I, I think um, uh, we've, we've, I think we've covered this weekend, you know, pretty thoroughly. And uh, so we're going to change gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about uh, the future and the, the future of MLS. And uh, so we've got uh, some friends that can, are going to tell us a little bit about Atlanta United FC coming up right after this. Joining us on the Mainland Podcast this week is Eric Quintana. He's a contributing, uh, a contributing writer for Dirty South Soccer the uh, SB Nation blog that will be covering Atlanta United. And also, uh, he's the host of Mouths of the South podcast. Eric, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. A little weird being on this side as opposed to uh, where you guys are right now asking the questions, you know? That's right. You don't have to, <laughs> you know, do any editing or anything no, like that I just, tonight. Uh, you just yeah, just sit <laughs> back and talk. That's it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Eric, I want to just sort of, just for starters, get your take on... What's going on in Atlanta in terms of the excitement level of MLS coming there, and and you know what type of uh, of atmosphere is is you know is present, and and you know what's what's the vibe, I guess. I think for the most part, everyone is 
well, most most of the people are are just extremely excited that they have MLS soccer in Atlanta. I know it's been there was talk that they would come in I think uh, 2007, and that never happened. I think the whole thing was that uh, they didn't want to. It could have been that they didn't want to do a, a soccer specific stadium and then go ahead and do another Falcon stadium. So combining the two is just kind of part of the deal. Um, but for the most, everyone's excited. Uh, I, you've got a small faction of people that uh, you know that that aren't so happy about it specifically when it comes to what happened with the silverbacks and um how they were essentially suspended for a little bit and then they had to drop down to npsl and um so they're obviously not happy about that but i that is a small sliver of the uh of the of the atlanta soccer you know community that uh, is really upset about that uh, i mean they're they're pretty vocal on twitter and whatnot but uh not as you know i would say 90 percent of the people are just when is 2017 going to get here? Because we're super excited. We're we're happy with everything they're doing. Um, you know, the training facility and the academy has has kind of gotten underway, and everyone's pretty stoked about that. I, on our podcast, we've been you know we've had Matt Doyle and Paul Tenorio on just to a Tenorio on just to uh, talk about you know how how influential and how impactful that that is across MLS to to you know be spending. You know, we saw RSL come out and spend you know say they were going to spend 45 to 50 million on their training facility and then two weeks later atlanta united announces they're going to spend 60 million so it we 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 understand that we're we are setting ourselves up to be as successful in year one as we possibly can now with the history of expansion teams you know who knows what will happen but uh Mm -hmm. You know, we're everyone's really excited. Everyone's looking forward to 2017. Everyone's looking to the first signings, uh, the d- first DP signings, and uh, you know, the first head coach. Yeah, Eric, talking a, a little bit about Atlanta coming in. I know Orlando came in new, right? This we're now in our second year in, in MLS, and we had that same type of feeling where the the city started to just have a beat to to, to soccer and football. You started seeing our magnets around the town and and whatnot. And Atlanta just announcing that huge. Uh, United showcases world-class training ground. I mean, $60 million. Uh, have you seen those announcements make an impact throughout the community and not only just Atlanta, but Marietta and those surrounding areas as well? You have. I know Marietta's excited. I know that uh, they're excited to be able to, you know, especially it's it's a, you know, money-driven area. It's it's very affluent, and, and they're excited to be able to be the the home of the academy essentially and uh you know it's it's you see people really getting amped up um to even go and just check that out uh you know i i'm waiting for i'm sure there'll be people there waiting to see if they can't uh you know take part in the you know in the in the what is it the the, the shovel ceremony or whatever it's called and uh you know groundbreaking exactly groundbreaking ceremony you know you have people that are that are uh you know we're constantly getting pictures of the new stadium. And so people are, again, really excited. I feel like I'm re- <laughs> repeating myself, but they're really excited <laughs> about what's going on. And, uh, you know, you see that in the the amount of, obviously, the season ticket support, the season ticket sales. That's where, you know, I think we've seen the most um, tangible, you know, tangible thing that shows people are into, people are getting into it. I, I see so many Atlanta United uh, the magnets and the hats and, um, you know, every time they throw something up on the uh, in the Atlanta United store, you know, on MLS soccer, it usually it's the hats that go that are sold out in about a week. So uh, to say people are excited is definitely an understatement. 
So obviously Atlanta's a, a city that's had some issues with, uh, at least with hockey. Uh, what's different about soccer that is that is uh, seems to be capturing the imaginations there? Uh, with the Thrashers, I don't. <laughs> it's funny because I don't ever. I never thought of Atlanta as a soccer as a hockey town, and um, you know they they had they had kind of like a just a bad business model in general. They didn't do very good very well when it came to marketing um you know they had a really good opportunity to you look at the echl team in gwinnett that they have now and they they do a great job of you know getting what they get i think it's something around four to five thousand people a night on average and you know that's that's because of how they market you know the 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 local feel they have uh you know regarding their hockey team and that just you never got that with the thrashers with with with, uh with Atlanta United, it's it's you already have a large number of families and and a huge number of people that love soccer, and they've just been waiting for you know that that I guess that big to, that top tier level club to 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 join MLS or to they want they've been waiting for that announcement. I I don't know why the silver I, I think it was more the Silverbacks problem that that never became a thing um, because of their management um, to be quite honest and and the fact that they did a horrible job marketing that team to the local residents even where they're situated they're, they're situated where literally everyone can see them the way they're located in atlanta um mm-hmm. everyone going to work coming from work knows exactly where that where the silverback complex where silverbacks park is and yet no one went to their games or not enough people went to their games to actually be to to create a a serious culture around that team, and so that comes down to that to that marketing. It's not that we didn't care; it's that a lot of people just, I, I honestly think they didn't know. I know that's the one thing huh. that's changing um, with Atlanta United is, and we get a lot of flack from from uh, you know the hardcore Silverbacks fans is that all of a sudden MLS comes to town and we're all soccer fans. Well, it's because it we know that it's there. Um, mm-hmm. You know they do a good job of just presenting themselves in the community, and and they 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 want to be part. They want to grow the 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 soccer culture in Atlanta, and so that's a big thing about Atlanta United that everyone loves. You already have a a ton of of families and kids that play soccer. I, I don't. It's not only in Atlanta; it's also in Alabama and the surrounding states because we've seen the season ticket sales. Uh, well, we haven't seen anything, but we we've been told from the front office that that they're a they're a large portion of season ticket sales that are coming from the surrounding states of Georgia that are waiting for, you know, a big team to, to come root for. Yeah, Eric, you know, I, I, one difference I see between uh, the other franchises that have come and gone in Atlanta and this one for Atlanta United FC is Arthur Blank. Uh, and Arthur Blank is, is willing to spend money. I mean, he also owns the Atlanta Falcons, co-founder of Home Depot. Uh, and you have this Mercedes Ben Stadium that looks like something out of some kind of futuristic <laughs> novel or movie. I mean, it's Blade Runner esque. This thing is going to be amazing, and everyone's going to know where it's going to be at. I think you guys are going to sit around thirty thousand, even though the stadium is supposedly you know up to eighty thousand or, or or somewhere there. But they're going to yeah. they're going to con- confine it down for the the soccer aspect. Are you excited to have Arthur Blank in there, and also speak a little bit to Carlos Bocanegra because? Uh, that's a technical director that uh, not only knows the league but knows the landscape in North America soccer. Yeah, Arthur Blank. I, I'm 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 excited that it's someone that is his kids play soccer. So that that alone doesn't say much. But the fact that uh, you know he has hired the people that he's hired and that he has 
willing to spend the money that he's spending. He invest in the right people in in the the academy in the training facility. Um, I, I know that it's it's the the stadium is going to be shared with the Falcons, but it's not just the Falcon Stadium and and Atlanta United is going to be playing in it. It is equally the Falcons and Atlanta United Stadium. They're throwing a they're throwing a, a media presser on Monday um, to kind of illustrate to show the the fan experience and and to just kind of uh, sell the digs uh, and and you know, basically sell it to the fans. Um, and it included all the Atlanta Falcons media and all the Atlanta United media, and that's how they've done it since day one. Um, so I'm happy that it's someone. I mean, we could we could have easily gone down the the Robert Kraft. Uh, you know, path, which we know what that's like with, with, with the revs. It's not good. No. Um, you know, in, in their stadium, I was actually just, I just wrote something, I think it's coming out tomorrow uh, with, for Dirty South Soccer that basically explains that, you know, <laughs> they're viewed as cheap. They're viewed as, you know, that, that it's just kind of like a pet project. Um, you, when you walk into Gillette Stadium, you don't see any rev stuff. It's clearly the revs playing in, uh, in Gillette Stadium in the home of the Patriots. So mm-hmm. it, it, that's not the case in Atlanta. You don't get that 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 feel in in Atlanta. You don't you don't you get someone that's dedicated to to making sure that this is a success, not only in MLS, but I <laughs> I have a feeling that this is it, the way they speak about you know being uh you know kind of their influence globally because it's just a global game. I, I have a feeling that they're going to be uh, at least attempting to maybe not year one, but. Throughout there, in the short term, maybe year three, four, and five, they're going to be pushing hard uh, to try to get into the Champions League, to try to bring in international friendlies, you know, with the big European clubs, with big names, um, and try to legitimately compete with them. So that's not just a let's get the ticket sales, uh, you know, let's let's get the revenue from the ticket sales uh, by bringing in, you know, a Barcelona, Real Madrid. I'm not saying those are the teams they're going to bring in, but I'm just that's mm-hmm. just examples. Uh, so that that is because Arthur Blank is willing to spend the kind of money and and put the dedication towards uh, towards Atlanta United. So so Eric, uh, I'm no, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead and go finish ahead. your thought. Uh, I was going to say this is obviously going to be uh, a potential major rivalry between Atlanta and Orlando City. I, I, I don't and, think it's um, potential. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think it, it's potentially one of the one of the like it, it, right. this could become the biggest you know MLS rivalry in, in a pretty short amount of time. We've already seen a little bit of gamesmanship on the part of uh, of Atlanta there with the with the scarf incident, uh, putting the, <laughs> the Atlanta scarf over the over the uh, ILF scarf. Um, you know how how calculated do you think some of the stuff that we've seen uh, you know is with the with the Atlanta ownership uh, with specifically Scarfgate yeah Scarf-gate. I, think was, I think it was absolutely intentional <laughs> I think uh, I agree they have they have there's some history there that uh that I don't know if a lot of people know but it was I guess they went to I forget if it was a, a battery game where they were playing you know maybe Orlando City B I think it was 2014 Terminus Legion. Terminus Legion knows the story better than I do. But basically, what happened is that they there there were pictures taken with I guess the Terminus Legion flag upside down, and it was clearly uh, uh, ILF, and and it was they put it all over social media and everything like that. And Darren Eels and I think Carlos and some of the the people that had already been hired for Atlanta United were there with Terminus Legion. So. <laughs> They saw their op- I guess they saw their opportunity and and uh, you know and kind of went with it and 
I mean, it's pretty obvious from the pictures. I mean, they clearly show, I think it's like three pictures. The first one with just the Terminus, or with the Atlanta United Scarf. The second one clearly showing you that the ILF Scarf is underneath what will be, it, basically they're going to put it over the, <laughs> the ILF Scarf. So, I mean, it's not, right. it, it was pretty obvious. I, I, I they have the club hasn't actually, uh, you know, Darren Eels or Carlos or anyone in the front office hasn't really spoken about it, and we haven't really asked. But, um, but yeah, I I thought it was intentional. But I, I love that kind of stuff. I love I love the fact that Orlando City fans are already on our case about, you know, killing off the Silverbacks and 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 you know, being plastic fan, all that stuff. I love it because eventually, when when we beat you guys for nothing and and. and in the regular season, we know we're gonna we're gonna be the one with the last laugh. Wow! All right. well, we, we really we're looking. We're, you know, we're looking forward to 2050. Also, <laughs> wow! You got to step on the field first, Eric. I like this. I mean, I don't even I don't even think Mercedes-Benz Stadium's finished yet. I mean, come on, uh, that, that's awesome though. I mean, a good healthy competition, especially in oh, the absolutely. South. Absolutely. There's not a lot of soccer down here, right? Right. Right now, we have Orlando, and really, that's it. And it's good to see Atlanta getting up in the fold and not only that but having a strong ownership group group and having those those type of directors like Carlos Bocanegra that I was speaking to earlier but uh, what when we came in the league Orlando we were emulating other clubs and and we looked at Portland because of the the size of the city the type of uh, the the type of fan engagement that we thought we would be able to see in Orlando uh, what is Atlanta uh, what are they going to try to emulate what kind of uh, current MLS team uh, do they see themselves? Uh, as a comparison to, of course, they're going to always compare themselves to Orlando, but outside of that out there, what do they see themselves as right now? I think when it comes to expansion teams, they're looking at, uh, they're looking at, I want to say that they're looking at the Orlando City model uh, that's, all, like you said, based off Portland. I think Portland's the, you know, the gold standard, if you will, uh, just because of their their supporters and, and the way they've grown and, and the, the way they got up to MLS and everything like that. <clears throat> um, but in the most recent history, there's Orlando City and there's NYCFC, and I think if most fans could choose, they're going to choose Orlando City for obvious reasons. Good choice, uh, <laughs> But, but the when I talk to Darren Eels, when I talk to Carlos, I, I don't get the sense that they want to just you know emulate MLS clubs. They want to again. They always they they speak to kind of this global influence and I don't want to speak too broadly as to you know they want to rule the world there's nothing like that but they just want to be able to um they want to be able to be a name like uh Real Madrid and Barcelona are in Spain or sure. uh Bayern Munich is in uh, in Germany or you know anything like that or, you know the Rangers are in Scotland it's 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 uh you know they want to be a global a global name that just happens to play in MLS, and and that's the feel you get from. They obviously want to succeed within MLS. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I don't want to discredit that. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, 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 with, with the academy, the way they set up, the, the people they're hiring, it, it, it gives me a sense that they're not just thinking domestic. That they, they, that's a priority. I again, I don't want to undersell that, but it's a priority. But it, it's, they're hiring. They've got MLS talent, or they've got MLS experience. They've got international experience. They've got you know, uh, European or English, uh, um, talent, youth development, uh, experience. They've got, they've, they've made these hires that make me think they, it's more than just MLS for them. That's a big part of it. That is obviously the number one, but they also want to branch out and compete in champions league and, 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 you know, again, invite the, the big clubs to, to either train and, and do, uh, you know, international friendlies with here and, 
um, and you know, be able to sell it more than just sell it on uh, more than just hey, we want to, you know, pick up the revenue for that. I know I already said that, but <laughs> no, it's but good. It, it's it, good. it sounds exactly like the Orlando model. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. you know, like you know, that's the same same uh, all the same buzzwords. You know, they want to be a global brand. They want to, you know, you know, have that kind of reach, and they want to. Um, you know, they've obviously they have the the partnership here with Stoke City, so they've already you know uh, partnered with them and with Benfica and, and and all of that stuff. So, you know, it's good to see that that Atlanta's building things that way. Oh, by the way, I don't I don't really appreciate you bringing up the Rangers since I'm a Celtic fan, but uh, <laughs> we'll move on. Um, so, you know, Atlanta United, how much really is this United thing bothering people there? Because it seems to be bothering people on social media i know it's bothering the minnesota folks who uh who are like now we, we think we're gonna have to change our name and we've always been minnesota united and and now we're gonna have to change our name i mean what, what do you make of all of that um I, I a lot of people didn't i think a lot of people are over it and they've accepted it and you know as much as they might want to it's not going to change um i i look at the 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 what i call united gate and I don't see it being an issue for Atlanta. I see it as an MLS issue. I see it as a league issue. Um, and Minnesota just happens to be the one that's going to, you know, get hurt the most. Um, here, here's here's my argument, is that the way the academy is set up, or going to be set up, we're going to be pulling, <laughs> we, theoretically we'll be pulling talent from Alabama and, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, um, and, and who knows where else within the Southeast because of the, what I think will be the plans of the Academy in the future. You also look at the season ticket sales that we got from the surrounding States and you think the same thing, like, look, I, you guys might've united a couple cities. We're uniting the entire Southeast. So I, I don't want to undersell that either. I, I want to be able to say, yeah, look, we are doing something different that hasn't been done in MLS before. So I'm with Darren. He always says that it's a ubiquitous name. It doesn't really, you know, it doesn't belong to anyone. You know, there's a million Uniteds out there. You know, would I have liked a, maybe a, a different name? Yeah, maybe. But I'm fine with 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 Atlanta United FC. I I don't. I I'm again. I I didn't have a problem with it to begin with. I remember a, a funny thing at the uh, at the logo and I guess the name unveiling. Although the name had already been kind of released. <laughs> I think uh, Rachel Bonetta was there and she said something to the effect of, uh, you know, we'll be starting in five minutes and someone in the back yelled, you got five minutes to change the name, which I <laughs> thought was, was funny. But at the same time, I'm like, come on, you're going to, it's not, you're not changing it. Just, you're not going to, they, they made the decision. They based the decision off what the fans wanted. Um, you know, it's, 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 this is, <laughs> this is what you guys chose. I, don't get mad now that, now that, that that's what it is. Um, you know, would I've liked something? I asked Matt Doyle this when we had him on, and and he basically said, you know, yeah, no, I hate the name, I hate it. I think <laughs> you guys are the bad guys when it comes to Minnesota. Um, you got so much, uh, so much history in Atlanta. You, you should, you could have easily gone with something else. And I, I agree that there is a lot of history, but there is the aspect of we're not just it, it. While it is Atlanta United FC, and it is based in Atlanta, we are doing a lot to recruit. Well, I think there's going to be a huge influence in in the surrounding states that that will be uniting them to atlanta and the, the you know the club so eric you know you have you're under a year away right i mean uh, the anticipation is building uh you know 
there's targets that are probably set out there for Atlanta United and uh, Orlando happened to get 60,000 plus uh, uh, not only in uh, its first iteration last year, but this year as well for, for opening day matches. And uh, we were second in, in, in attendance last year, just behind Seattle. Um, what is Atlanta targeting from that side? Uh, and, and do you see what, what kind of season ticket holder numbers do you guys see going forward in the season? What's the targets uh, that you expect to be there for season tickets? Well, I'm sure you guys have heard the either 25,000 or 29,000 number of season to ticket deposits. And um, from what we understand, basically, the only people that aren't uh, converting those deposits into actual season tickets are the people that might have that have left the Atlanta area and moved to other states. Um, they keep telling us they haven't given us a number, which I'm I'm constantly hammering them about every time I see them because I I'm very curious as to what that looks like right now. Um, especially mm-hmm. 10 months out and, and we still haven't hired a manager or any designated players, um, nor have the rumors. We haven't, even, we haven't released a kit, nothing. We basically <laughs> still have a shell of a team and we're sitting at 29, 30,000. He has said recently that we exceeded 39, 30,000 season ticket deposits. Um, wow. and if you, and if you get 80% of that, that's about 25,000 and that's essentially the entire lower dome. Um, mm-hmm. give or take 4,000, maybe, you know, uh, box office tickets that you sell there and, and boom you got the whole lower dome um it filled up and i know that they're absolutely willing to open up the upper upper decks i know they'll have them covered and not in the same kind of covers that you see on you know like in vancouver um is it vancouver no it's montreal bc place so you're gonna be doing like a, a curtain they're not or well, no they're curtain? not doing that they're not doing that what they're doing it's <laughs> The best way I can explain it is that you're basically not. It's going to be shielded off to where you're not going to be able to see it at all. So to 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 the people on TV, it might just look like a big screen that says Atlanta United, but it's not going to be like a a tarp that's covering the seats. Does that make sense? Uh Yeah. So they what I anticipate is that for the first couple uh, home matches, is that the entire place will be filled. That's how much demand I think we're going to get. and then, of course, as the season goes along, it might dwindle down and they might end up having to, you know, curtain off the the, the upper deck. And, and but I, I expect I, I'd be disappointed if, if, if um, you know, between 28 and 30,000 on a regular basis wasn't the number that we hit, uh, you know, regularly. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see for sure. I mean, it's, you know. <laughs> Orlando City came in with New York City FC is not a lot um, you know of comparisons we can draw since our arrival so it'll be interesting to see how those that follow follow us uh, you know how they approach it how they do um, we're certainly not expecting anything out of Miami because they're never going to get a stadium <laughs> and uh, yeah probably going to Fort Lauderdale <laughs> yeah exactly. Beckham's just going to Beckham's just going to give up and go to Las Vegas I think yeah. at some point um, the the hint David Beckham I know you have to be listening to this podcast. You're in Miami. Bribe someone. That's how it works there, <laughs> and it'll be all go away. All of that red tape will magically disappear. There you go. Um, I, yeah, I, Eric, I, I, I was gonna say I don't know how they're having a problem. And look, I, I, I'm from an Atlanta United's perspective. I can't wait for the weeks that we're playing Minnesota, whatever they're called, and Orlando City, all in a matter of two or three weeks, because the 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 the, the Twitter the Twitter uh, harassments and all that stuff is gonna just gonna be awesome. Oh yeah, I love it now. Be, it's gonna be fun. The trolling is gonna be epic. Um, Eric, tell the people where they can find you guys on uh, on the net. I mean, you guys are new, but you do have a, a web pres- a very strong web presence, very uh, 
you know, a great staff of writers at Dirty South Soccer, including uh, you know Rob Usry, who does the, uh, who also does the Stars and Stripes stuff. Um, you know, tell people where they can get get a hold of your. Uh, your podcast and your writing. Uh, DirtySouthSoccer.com. That is the uh, SB Nation site for Atlanta United. Um, again, myself and a bunch of others. Uh, Rob, as you said, uh, Brendan Joseph. He's he's uh, he's really good. He keeps up with all the academy stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of else. Matt Edmonston, I think is his name. Uh, he does a good job. Um, and Sam, the, the podcast uh, is Mouths of the South podcast. Oh, Sam, uh, Jason Smith. <laughs> And Sam Franco, uh, they're the ones that I usually do it with. We also do a, a kind of a smaller level recap podcast on uh, our affiliation with the Charleston Battery. Uh, we recap their games, uh, and they, they love us up there just because no one else does anything with them <laughs> podcast-wise. Yeah. There's a um, reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> Seamus Grady, he, he handles that with me, and uh, you know we, just, we, we have a good time. It, it, I think for the amount of news that we get, we do a good job at uh, – making it uh, exciting and unique and uh, Atlanta centric um, especially when it's the bigger MLS uh, you know league news and mm-hmm. um, I think we do a great job of uh, you know making it relatable even 10 we started this I want to say last summer so I mean we've been doing it this for almost a year now specifically on dirty South soccer and uh, <laughs> again I think we've been doing it a good job just considering there's there's I mean again no manager no rumors no players no kits. We've had the concept. Yeah, I don't, I don't envy you guys because we went live six months before Orlando City first kicked in MLS. But at least there was a history there yeah, that we could yeah, yeah, yeah. draw back on. Uh, and, and, you know, the team had been around for four years as a USL team. Uh, what about on the Twitters? Where can they find you on the Twitters? Uh, at Dirty South Sock. It's at Dirty South S O C, and uh, I'm at Eric Quintana forty seven. Um, I'll be trolling whoever Orlando, whatever Orlando City fan uh, wants to wants to tackle tackle me on twitter uh, well, I, i'm happy i'm happy to uh, i'm happy to engage the debate um <laughs> yeah embrace debate uh and what about mouths of the south you also have a twitter for that right at mots podcast is the uh the, the yeah the mouths of the south podcast uh-huh. uh twitter handle and uh, i'm trying to think if there's anything else i think that's it and you guys are on Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk iTunes. Radio, yeah. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, all the, the iTunes. If you just search mouth the, "Mouths of the South" on uh, on Eric, on and where do you live, good. by the way? Considering you're giving all your information away, you can go. Ahead and uh, can we get your pin numbers Social and your credit <laughs> cards? Yeah. You know, whatever else you want to give out, we're good to go. Yeah. Hey, we're, uh, Eric Quintana. We really appreciate you stopping by, contributing writer for Dirty South Soccer and host of Mouths of the South podcast. Uh, thanks so much and. You know, good luck finding content between now and, and that first <laughs> kick of the ball in MLS, and we'll we'll certainly be, um, you know, um, you know, at each other's throats on social media, and also, uh, you know, giving each other the business uh, cross blog with the cross blog bants. So, uh, uh, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, not not a problem. Thank you guys. I'm sure we'll have you guys on ours uh, at some point in the near future too to 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 prep for uh, the the oncoming rivalry. Well, we're just about uh, done for this week, uh, you know, episode 49 of the Mainland Podcast, Daniel. But uh, before we move on to our, our key matchups and our score predictions, definitely want to thank Eric Quintana again from Dirty Soccer, Dirty South Soccer and uh, Mouths of the South Podcast, which is hard for me to say. Uh, but it's a good podcast, and I've been on their, their show before, and they get great guests. So, uh, you know, check them out if you're, if you're a soccer podcast listener. Uh, you definitely want to check them out. Uh, and Eric was good, and, and we appreciate his time. 
Daniel, let's move on to our key matchups for this week's game. Uh, Orlando City Sunday travels to Sporting Kansas City to take on Dom Dwyer and company uh, without the gaffer. There'll be no Adrian Heath in the building um, until after the match, so uh, by MLS rules. So what are you, what's your key matchup for Sunday, and what's your score prediction? Well, I'm, I'm going to talk to two things. I think uh, Dominic Dwyer's uh, athleticism in, in uh, case he's going to be a key matchup with our back line. Mateos and, and Seb Hines have shown some issues on, on players making good in-cutting runs, uh, and Dwyer definitely likes to make runs off of the back line. Um, that might be a difficulty for Orlando City uh, going to KC, but I, I think Kevin Molino's form uh, and the ability right now uh, for him to not only control the ball at the top of the box, uh, but make that pass. At the beginning of the year, uh, he seemed to be making one too many or, or a, a, a millisecond too late, uh, but he seems to be rolling into form now and putting the ball on the back of the net. Uh, I think that matchup with Kevin Molino uh, against the back line of KC is going to be interesting one. So, uh, I'm going to call Kevin Molino putting putting one in and Kaká scoring off of a free kick. Uh, he's going to be back healthy, and even though we don't have a gaffer, we have our gaffer on the pitch, Kaká, and that's going to be uh, an interesting game. And we we always uh, the games that we played uh, Sporting KC have, have been good ones with Orlando City uh, in the past. So I'm looking for a two to one victory uh, away. I'm hoping to get three points in this one. Well, it'll be interesting because uh, Sporting Kansas City is is as we record this is playing midweek games yes. uh, at Colorado, uh, you know, in the altitude. So it's uh, it's going to be maybe a little bit of a tired team. They entered this game on a six match winless streak, wow. uh, and it right now as as I talk to you right this second it's zero zero one zero now. So is it one? Yeah, okay. Colorado just uh, just went up. Well, there you go. So Sporting is going to have to to do some serious serious work with less than ten minutes to play to to get you know out of that winless skid, and I don't think they're going to be able to do it because Colorado's been playing pretty well this year. Uh, but I think for me the big thing is getting some results on the offensive end. Uh, the team has not uh, scored more than two goals in a few games here, so it would be nice to see you know Kyle Laren break out. It would be nice to see what they can do, but you know, um, Matt Beasler uh, was on the bench to start this game, so I think they're they were they're going to take Orlando City uh, pretty seriously. Uh, Opara is a good player. Um, Abdul Salam, I mean, they got a pretty good defensive uh, setup, and uh, you know, Espinoza and Mustafar and, and guys like that in the in the midfield, Nagamura, uh, mid good midfielder. I think they've they've got a pretty strong defense, and I think that the key for for uh, for me, the matchup that I'm looking forward to is the attacking players for Orlando City against that, uh, or the attacking players for Orlando City against the Kansas City, uh, you know, backline and, and goalkeeper Tim Mealy is a good goalkeeper as well. So um, we'll see what happens uh, on Sunday. I, I'm going to predict uh, as much as I'd like to see some scoring. I, I'm just going to predict a one-one draw, but I think that's a good result going to Kansas City. It's a tough environment without your coach, and um, I, I think I would take that. Now, who's uh, who do you have scoring there, Mike? Uh, I'm gonna say Kyle Aaron gets back off the Schneid, and and maybe it's an early goal. Even maybe it's like another one of those that Ramos serves in and puts in with his face. <laughs> I like uh, it. <laughs> uh, that, that, I mean, that would make everyone happy. But as we know, Orlando City scoring early, uh, they will allow another goal and end in a draw. So um, I'm hoping. Yeah, for it'll a be. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be 
like it'll be one nil in stoppage time, and um, free kick. You know, Carrasco will head one away out of the box and be called for a handball. Okay, awesome. I'd love it. Or it'll be a free kick outside of the box. The entire <laughs> team uh, of Sporting KC will be offsides, uh, but the goal will be counted anyways. <laughs> yeah, I mean they got some. They got dangerous free kick taker with Brad Davis and um, Bellhopper. Yeah. Yeah, they fail Haber, and and also you know they can they can do some stuff in the box, and, and Dom Dwyer is a, a dangerous dangerous player. So and Ico Parra uh, in that it, box too. Ico Parra is very dangerous on, on yeah. set pieces. It, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun match, I think. And um, you know, looking forward to it, and obviously uh, looking forward to the Pride playing Western New York Flash on Saturday, and uh, that's another home game. So head down to Camping World Stadium, and uh, and see the Pride play because. Uh, <laughs> these are not long seasons. This is going to be the fifth game in a 20-game season. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to two wins uh, this week, and uh, not including OCB in there. Um, nobody, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about that later. But uh, Yeah, I think they're, a few ga- they're, they got, they're off for a few more days. So. Yeah, so no expectations there for OCB, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's many expectations for them this season after uh, the way they started out, but... Uh, just let people hit minutes. Uh, that's that's the most yeah. important thing for OCB, anyways. And the the other reason you should go see the 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 uh, Pride play New York Flash is because they're on the road for the next four games after that. This is so uh, it, they're going to be gone uh, until June twenty third. Wow, is it that long? So, yeah, they're going to play at Houston, at Kansas City, at Western New York, and at Washington before they come back home to play the Dash on June twenty third. And maybe Carly Lloyd will be back by then. Um, so uh, that's again another tough game, but uh, yeah, they're four on the road and then four at home. So it's it's a game of, or it's a season of streaks in the Pride schedule. Wow. So uh, you know, get out and see them because it's going to be a while before you get another chance. Yeah. Um, so Daniel, let's wrap this sucker up. We uh, we definitely want to thank our our guest tonight, Eric Quintana from uh, Dirty South Soccer and Mouths of the South podcast. Uh, for stopping by, giving us a, a little bit of perspective from Atlanta United FC and what's been going on there. A lot of excitement up there, and they're really building it the right way, I think, from the ground up. And it's uh, it's interesting to see. And, and having met Paul McDonough, who, who's their GM, he's a, he's a good guy, and, and it's good to see them having some success. But maybe Paul needs to start signing some players. Yeah, it's about time. Uh, or it, it should <laughs> at least get some rumors out there. I mean, float some yeah. rumors uh, so uh, they can have some uh, content to write about over there in Atlanta. Yeah, so they're going to get Wayne Rooney. Yeah, okay. There. All right. I just started the there room, you go. so they're going to get Wayne Rooney. Uh, did you hear all that? Atlanta United FC, Wayne Rooney, uh, and also Vale coming in as well. I think the largest transfer uh, ever in history for Atlanta United. <laughs> so you go United to United for, for Wayne Rooney. There you go. Um, so please uh, check us out at themainland.com and uh, check us out on Twitter at the mainland and like us on Facebook. Uh, was it facebook.com slash themainland? And, uh, you know, Please go to iTunes and leave us a really, really nice rating and, and a good review. That would be really awesome, and we would appreciate that. But uh, you know, thanks again to Eric Quintana. Uh, Daniel McGann, on behalf of you, I'm going to sign off the way I always sign off, uh, although hopefully this will be the last sign-off before a victory uh, because it's been a while. And I'm going to do it by saying, Go City!